Thank you for joining us today with Cindy Sherwood's podcast, Words for the Journey. Saul's Moment in the Light. Everyone has their own story of how they found their way to God, usually a story with many chapters. For some, it's more of a quiet journey, moving slowly, culminating with a heartfelt surrender. That, however, was not Saul's story at all. Although we know him as Paul today, his name prior to his conversion was Saul. You might think the person who has no faith or religion at all is the one with the most difficult journey to find God. In my opinion, though, someone who is passionately following the wrong belief system is the harder sell. That was the case with Saul. God created Saul an intense man, a person who lived life with passion and commitment. So in his early years, following the path of the Pharisees, he did it with utter commitment and resolution. Whatever Saul set his mind to do, he was all in. When Saul was groomed as a young man to be a religious scholar, he absorbed every idea, memorized the scriptures, and fulfilled, if not exceeded, every expectation. He was a rock star. So when this renegade movement emerged, led by this heretic named Jesus, Saul lost his mind. Jesus wasn't following the rules. He was threatening the very foundations of Saul's belief system. Saul's hatred for the Christians made him the perfect choice to lead the charge to snuff out this dangerous group before it gained ground and did even more damage. When Stephen, a humble and gentle Christ follower, was stoned to death, Acts 8.1 NIV says Saul approved of their killing him. That's pretty hardcore hatred. The word Pharisee means separated ones. The Pharisees wrote their own religion, one made of very strict rules. Those who followed the code elevated themselves above the rest of the world. They deemed themselves righteous because they followed the rules. Saul was attached to his convictions. He was 100% certain of his beliefs about God, but his beliefs were wrong. They were leading him in the wrong direction. How would God ever get a hold of the heart of a man like Saul and transform him into the man who would bring the gospel to the Gentiles? No small task. What are you attached to? We're all attached to something. Some belief or creed or ideology guides our life. It's important we know what that is and whether it is based on truth. Our life hinges on it. As I read this well-told story of Saul's conversion, notice the elements of change, what it took to get Saul to make a 180-degree turn. Acts 9.1 Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. 
So Saul was on his way to round up as many Christians as possible and have them thrown in prison when something truly remarkable happened. Verse 3. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. Saul is stunned as he hears the assumed dead heretic speaking to him. Jesus then responds with an interesting question and an interesting observation. Jesus asks, Why are you persecuting me? Jesus is suggesting Saul's beliefs and actions are an act against God, that it is a personal affront that he's going against the truth. Then he makes a strange statement about kicking against the goads. Some Bibles omit that sentence. A goad was a long stick with a sharp point used for moving the cattle along or as a weapon. Jesus is offering a metaphor that Saul's life choices are like kicking against the tip of a spear. Apparently, God had been trying to poke through Saul's thoughts and beliefs, but Saul was kicking against him resisting him. God is always trying to get our attention, whether we are listening to him or ignoring him or working against him as Saul was. He is always pursuing us with his love and his truth. I wonder if we're kicking against God. Jesus' appearance is an incredible revelation for Saul. He has devoted himself to destroying anyone who believes in Jesus, only to discover Jesus is real. He has been resurrected. He isn't dead at all. He's alive and standing right in front of him, talking to him. Talk about a paradigm shift. I wonder how Saul will respond. Let's see, verse 6. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Wow, great news. Saul humbles himself before Jesus. He allows his beliefs to be altered, surrendering his pride. Saul responds to Jesus by allowing him to redirect his life. And he does it instantly, wholeheartedly, without any reservation. That's the thing with Saul. It's all or nothing with him. It's so important we allow Jesus regular access to our thoughts and beliefs. Even when we believe in Jesus and accept him as our Savior, we still have false beliefs tucked in with the true beliefs. And we all probably have a little Saul in us, vociferously defending them even when they are wrong. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to ferret them out, which means we need to spend time at his feet, deliberately giving him access to our heart and mind. Continuing in verse 6, Jesus answers Saul's question. Then the Lord said to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. 
But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. In an instant, Saul learns that everything he believes and has been pursuing, the basis of his very life, is wrong. This is an extremely uncomfortable place to be in. However, it is essential Saul accept this discomfort because it can't be solved quickly or easily. It is God's normal mode of operating that he strips away the false before he puts the new truth in place. In between lies a void. Saul's completely undone. He can't eat or drink, and he can't see. He is temporarily blind. Nothing makes sense to Saul right now as his friends lead him into the city. Here's where the story gets really interesting to me. Not that having Jesus stand before you and talk to you isn't a spectacular moment. It is. But see what happens next. Verse 10. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. Well, that's an assignment no one wanted. Can you imagine what went through Ananias's mind? He knew all about Saul and what he was doing to Christians, and he knew why he was in Damascus. Willingly meeting up with Saul was like walking into the lion's den, a sure death. Ananias was a God-fearing man following the Lord. He easily heard the Lord speak to him. But this was a test of his faith like no other, and he was afraid. Ananias couldn't possibly have known how much was riding on his decision to obey God or not. The Lord continued, verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Two incredible things happened that day that altered history. First, Ananias obeyed God. At the risk of his life, he chose to go to Saul and invite him to receive Jesus into his heart. And the second was that Saul responded 
to the invitation. Saul believed God and received his Holy Spirit. It was the act of receiving Jesus as his Savior that gave Saul back his sight. Until we receive Jesus and his Holy Spirit, we are blind too. Only in Christ can we see truth. We need him for our spiritual sight. Saul received an unusual assignment. Share the truth of Jesus Christ to the non-Jewish world. But it was the perfect job for Saul because God made him an unusual man. He just needed to get a hold of Saul's mind and heart for a while so the false beliefs could be removed and the truth received. Once God did that redemptive work in Saul, then all his natural zeal and passion could be unleashed to change the world. So what happened next? Did Saul hit the road from Damascus and begin preaching the gospel? Not exactly. The Christian world did not open their arms to receive their newest brother. Everyone was skeptical of him, at best, and rejecting of him at worst. After a few brief encounters, Saul went into exile for a few years. Galatians 1, 15-18, NIV says, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles, my immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later, I returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem. Saul got alone with the Lord for several years, sitting at his feet, reading the scriptures with new eyes, with the power of the Holy Spirit in him, teaching him and revealing truth. One of the biggest paradigm shifts Saul needed to make was the one from works-based salvation to grace-based salvation. He spent years trying to earn acceptance before God by following rules. He found his significance in being good and impressive. Now he knew all that meant nothing to God. Can you imagine how Saul felt when he thought about all the Christians he had tortured and murdered. Saul had some serious identity work to do before he could serve God. He had to come face to face with his sin. After realizing the magnitude of his sin, then he had to reject a whole new set of lies, like, there's no way God can use me after what I've done. My guilt is too hideous to be forgiven. God could never forgive me for all the terrible things I've done. He can't use me. After rejecting those lies and realizing the truth that Christ died for his sins too, that Jesus forgave every sin Saul ever committed, that the cross brought God's grace and mercy, he was then ready to share the truth with the world. He had to travel all of this territory before he was ready for his assignment. Saul was likely thinking of his prior life when he said in Romans 9.32 NIV, Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. 
There was a time when Saul stumbled over the stumbling stone, Jesus Christ, but now he knew the truth, and the truth set him free. He wasn't shackled to a list of rules, rules that never saved him from anything. He was free, saved by the grace of God, and ready to live the life God created him to live. Even though Paul had a dramatic conversion story, even though he was an unusual man, even though God gave him a unique assignment, certain things are as true for us as they were for him. Saul had to humble himself before the Lord. He had to listen to God and accept that some of his thoughts and beliefs were false. He had to accept the truth and allow it to change him. He had to accept that God's love and grace were big enough to use even him. Because of these things, God was able to change the world. All scripture is from the New King James Version, unless otherwise stated. Thank you for listening to Cindy Sherwood's podcast. Visit us on the web at hishealinglight.org to learn more about our ministry. Please consider rating us on iTunes or your other favorite music app. God's best to you today.